0: well let's let's just go ahead and address the elephant in the room okay let's just go ahead and talk about it and then we'll get into the in-depth teaching tonight uh what what is the elephant in the room that people don't like preachers talking about money money don't 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 money i'm sorry i was going back to high school just then Oh, yeah, money, money, money. Money is one of the most misunderstood things in all of the church, okay? Uh, One of the most misquoted scriptures in all of Christendom is that money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. The Bible tells us specifically that it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with you having money, but there's something seriously wrong with money having you. Money is not supposed to lord over you. You're not supposed to work for money money is supposed to work for you. And that's the system that God put in place. That was not the system that uh, prosperity preachers put in place. I'm not a prosperity preacher. You've been following me long enough. If you are if you ever watched this show before, you know I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not going to get on here and talk about money all the time. I very seldom ever do talk about money. But I'm not going to be afraid to talk about money. I'm not going to be afraid to talk about what the Bible says about money. Remember, this is Bible study. Notice this right here. Well, this side. Notice this right here. Bible study. That means we're going to study what the Bible says about the subject of first fruits. Now, before we get into it, I want to share my heart on a few things that, uh, that I need to just let you know. i want I want to pr- I want to pray for you at the very beginning. I usually pray at the end, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for your finances. Why? Because I know that times are hard right now. It is a difficult time in the economy. And the one thing that you don't want to hear anybody talking about uh, is money, okay? And that's this is not. let me just go ahead and tell you right up front right now. I'm not taking up an offer at the end of this show, okay? It, this is not what this is. This is to help you know what the Bible says about a particular subject, and then you make your your own decision. But but I, what I want to pray about is I want to pray that scales fall from your eyes and from your ears and that you listen to the end, you watch to the end, hear me out, and then you make a decision whatever you want to. Don't don't just get mad at one little thing you hear said or come in here with a preconceived notion that, you know, preachers should never mention money whatsoever, just like people, people say preachers should never mention a political issue and all of that. All of that is not... True, it's not biblical. Preachers are supposed to be the ones that talk about that because if we don't talk about it, the world's going to talk about it and they're going to give you a false narrative. They're not going to tell you what God's Word said about it. Look look at what's happening in sexuality. Look at what's happening in, in identity politics and all this kind of stuff. It's because the church has been so afraid to talk about those subjects. And so, therefore, the enemy just steps in and says, well, let me tell you what I think about it. So if all you ever hear is one narrative, you'll begin to believe that. So the Bible says, how can you believe? How can anyone believe in what they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? I'm a preacher, okay? So tonight, hear me out. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I just bind every stronghold, everything in the mind, That is a preconceived thing to not be able to have a teachable spirit. We pray that everyone watching this program, listening in their ears, watching with their eyes, that, God, they have a teachable spirit, because as long as they're teachable, they are reachable. And, Lord, I'm not praying, God, that they agree with me. I'm not praying that I change their mind. I'm just praying that they would be open to what your word says and what your promises are for your children. And We thank you in the name of Jesus. Everybody said Amen. All right, so I know a lot of people are battling a lot of things this time of the year. We just came out of Thanksgiving. Many of you lost loved ones this previous year, so it was a very difficult time. Looking at across the table, not seeing somebody that you love normally there, it's not there. It's been a very difficult time. You know. As we move into the Christmas season, the time of the live recording, you may be watching this anytime because this is a subject that is a year-round subject, but I record it just before Christmas. And Christmas is a time where people battle depression. They, they have to deal with stress. What is one of the biggest reasons during this time of the year, other than the loss of a loved one, that people deal with depression and people deal with stress? It is usually finances. It's usually money. Uh, you know, the majority reason might shock you to know at the core of of almost all d- divorces, the majority of the divorces, I should say, something has to do with money, money, money. And then, of course, um, unfaithfulness or or communication and all that's a part of it. But money is always listed as one of the very highest reasons that marriages fall apart. Um, in, in fact, it's one of the biggest religious spirits. Uh, that come upon people, cause them not to want to be, be able to uh, listen to the Word of God when it comes to money. Uh, things might have happened to you in your past. You might have been taken advantage of by, by a preacher somewhere, some charlatan that called himself a preacher trying to you know, drive the finest cars, live in the finest homes while you know, just um, bleeding the people dry. That's not what I am, and that's not what this show is. Uh, but it takes money. It takes money for the kingdom to advance. You say, well, well, bless God. If God's in it, He'll do it. Well, okay, you know, do you how do you pay for your house? How do you pay rent? How do you pay your mortgage? How do you buy food? You gotta have money. You know, the Bible says a feast is made to make men merry, but money answereth all things. A lot of people are shocked to know that the Bible says money answers all things. It doesn't mean that money is the answer ultimately to everything. We know that's God. It's not money, it's God. You can have all the money in the world and still be battling full-blown depression. We know people take their lives all the time that are multimillionaires. So money does not equal happiness. But when, this, when the Word of God says, money answereth all things, he's talking about if you want to buy a hamburger, you got to have money. I tell my church all the time, if you don't believe that God... It wants wants us to talk about money at times, then and and for us to have a biblical understanding of it. And you don't think that you need money, then you know you got the favor of God on you. You child of God, God gonna take care of you. God, I God got me. I ain't worried about nothing. God got me. Well, okay, go through the drive through McDonald's. Well, maybe not because that's horrible food. But if you do, I'm just picking one out. Just go through you, you know some drive through, order the combo. When they say that's gonna be nowadays an astronomical amount. Uh, $12, $15 if it's by yourself. Uh, two people, $30 sometimes. Well, almost $30. Well, you just say, hey, God's got this. I got the favor of God on me. I'm a child of God. They're going to be like, praise the Lord. You, you're a child of God. I'm so proud you're a child of God. But that's going to be $17.96. Yeah, but what? But, but God, God's got me. Yeah, okay, praise God. Got me too, but I'm going to need $17.96. Are you hearing me? Let me tell you what else takes money, the harvest. Now, stay with me because I'm I'm, I'm almost through this introduction. We're going to go straight into the the in-depth teaching. We're going to get some deep stuff tonight. The harvest. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth labors into the harvest. So, you know, plane tickets cost money. Gasoline costs money. Vehicles cost money. Even if you walk, you know. There's things that you have to have. There's food that you have to have. There's provisions that you have to have. If you're going to go to reach the world, it's going to take finances. Now, on the big picture, let me just tell you, you're not going to to see me uh, shy away from talking about money, but you're going to hardly very very rarely ever hear me talking about money because that's, that's not my mandate for this show. But tonight is Bible study. Tonight is when Pastor Larry sits before the microphone and sits before the camera. Okay, this is not the big picture live Monday night. It's not breaking news, kingdom intelligence. Report. All of them are based on the Word of God. We're never going to shy away from it. But here on Wednesday Night Bible Study, Pastor Larry Raggins in the house. So I'm going to talk to you like it's an online church tonight, because for many of you, I am your pastor. And uh, so I'm going to help you as your pastor. All right, so let's get into this. Um, it may surprise you to know that Jesus, Jesus himself, talked more about money than any other subject, money and possessions, than any other subject. He knew this subject, money, would bring such strife in our lives, but it could also bring such blessing in our lives as well. Let's, let's look at the Word of God here real quick, and let's see what the Word of God says right here. It says, Uh, New Living Translation, Matthew 6, 24. I I like this translation. Please don't get in a big debate about that on here as well. Just just listen to the Word of God. No one can serve two masters. You'll see why I love this translation uh, on this particular verse. For you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. King James says mammon, but mammon means money. Let's look at it again. Let's read it again and get get what it said. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, why is that important? Because he didn't say you cannot serve both God and the devil. He says you cannot serve both God and money because he realized that most people, Not all, some some openly embrace worshiping the devil, but most people are not going to be like, I'm a devil worshiper, okay? Yeah, I get up every day, I worship the devil. Although if you're not worshiping God, you're going to serve one or two gods. But the way many people serve Satan and his agenda is that they serve money. They are driven by money. They're infatuated by money. Money takes over their life. Uh, So God knew that. God knew That man was going to make a decision at some point in their life between either believing God or believing in money, which really means you're going to believe that God knows what he's talking about when he tells you what to do, or you're going to find your own way to make your own way. But if we're going to see God move, and we're going to be a remnant church, and we're going to see the power of God sweep all over this world, and we're going to be a part of that remnant that's rising, it's going to take a tremendous amount of finances to influx the kingdom of God and for us to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. Like I said, I'm not taking up an offering. That's not what this is about. This is just trying to show you what the word of God says, then you make your own decision. But when it comes time to end times prophecies, when it comes time to end times, he says this gospel shall be preached unto all nations, and then the end shall be. It's going to take finances. So let's talk about a couple of principles here as we get ready to understand what is the topic of first fruits. I'm not talking about, I'm going to briefly talk about tithes and offerings, but this is a teaching on something called first fruits. Okay. Um, now, first fruits, the in order for you to understand, really, quite frankly, the kingdom, the, the entire principle of giving and being blessed is based on sowing and reaping. In fact, the whole earth was built on something called the law of sowing and reaping. I'm not telling you anything that the Word of God does not tell you. God teaches us that at the very beginning, in the garden, when all the things went down and Satan was cursed and the ground was cursed, God said as long as this earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. So a principle in the natural, if you got to plant corn to get corn, whatever you sow, that shall you also reap, was a kingdom principle from the very beginning. The law of sowing and reaping was in from the very beginning. Now, when you when you really want to talk about first fruits and you look at the story of Cain and Abel, you will see the principle of first fruits coming. Uh, God's Genesis teaches us the first fruits of Cain and Abel. Uh, they brought an offering. Abel brought the firstborn. God wants to God wants to bless us, but and there's nothing wrong with God wanting believing that God wants to, to bless us. He died for us to be blessed. But watch this. The Bible said he did not have respect for, Abel, uh, for Cain's offering. He had a respect for Abel's offering, but not a respect for Cain's offering. Why? Because Cain did not bring a first. Abel brought the first of the flock. Now, the word of God tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10 uh, that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, we understand what kill means. Kill means death, okay, uh, of something. But steal, think about it, means the enemy wants to take possessions from you. You can't steal something from somebody that they don't have. So the thief's agenda is to take away and steal the blessings that God has in your life. Jesus says, but I come that they might have it, have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified Bible goes on to say, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in, the, in abundance to the full until it overflows. God wants us to be blessed. Like I said, I'm not a prosperity preacher. Yeah, we're going to have to go through stuff. In fact, we're going to have to go through probably some extremely difficult things. The economy is crashing. We talk about it on this show all the time. I believe 24 and beyond, whenever you're watching this, you may be watching this in the year 2030. have no idea. But at the time of this recording, we're winding down 23, going into 2024. I believe we're about to go into some horrendous financial times. We need our house in order. We need to make sure that we are correctly positioned in the middle of it, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have things taken away. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have to go through difficult financial times. I'm not promising prosperity. I'm not promising uh, money. I'm promise I'm I'm promising you a principle of God's word that will bring you joy, that will bring you joy. So there's a difference between happiness and joy. You don't want a life of happiness. You want a life of joy. Why? Because happiness is based on good things happening. And when good things do not happen, you lose your happiness. But the joy of our, of the Lord is our strength. And when we are correctly positioned and we are properly being obedient to what God has told us to be as as children of God, then we can expect joy. Can I get an amen? All right. So listen to this statement. We really continue to think that we, we, we say things like we don't have enough. I would if I had more, but we don't have a provision problem. Do you know what we have in the church? We have a revelation problem. We do not have a provision problem because our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, there's, you know, if you, you ever, you ever picked up the cushions in your couch and found spare change then of course, nobody cares change anymore, but you know, used to, you'd pull that couch cushion up, there'd be spare change that fell out of people's pocket. I always, I've got this, I need new material, y'all. I've been preaching for a long time, but I've, I've been saying this for years. You know, God's got more spare change in the cushions of his couch in heaven than the whole world needs to even function. Our God is enough, okay? Our God is the great supplier, he is our provision. We do not put our trust in Horses and chariots. We put our trust in, in the name of the Lord. We put our trust in God. But God wants his children to take, be blessed. That's what the favor of God is. The favor of God is not reserved for the world. I hate to break this to you, but if you're not a child of God, the favor of God is not applicable to your life. Now, you may feel the, the residual and the runover of the favor that's on somebody else's life. But the favor of God is for his children. And, and, and there's principles. He says, draw not to me, I'll draw not to you. Give and it shall be given to you. That's the principle of God. Okay? So the favor of God. So look at it this way, in favor. I said we don't have a provision problem. Look at this on when it comes to favor. You know, all the parents and the grandparents out there can remember this. When you're when your baby or your grandbaby finally gets to the age where they they can open the refrigerator themselves and they and and you know they they don't want to ask to pour you get you to pour them some milk. They want to pour their own milk. They big now. And and you know, they they figure out a way to get that milk out and get the top of that uh milk jug off and they start pouring, and it's just amazing because they just love seeing that milk go in that cup. And all of a sudden the cup fills up, and they don't process them how to slow down and hold that up. They just keep pouring. Next thing you know, you got a mess. Okay? Well, you walk in on them. They're laying in the floor. They're sitting in the floor, and they're just pouring milk, and milk's just everywhere. To to us, because we're not thinking like a child anymore, we think that's a waste. We think that overflow is a waste. But to God, that is a perfect example of favor. God does not want us to just pray that we just have enough. That's a selfish prayer. Why would you pray, God, I don't, want, I don't want nothing but just enough, just enough to, to get by with what I have? Because what you're saying when you pray that you just want enough is that you're saying, I don't want to help anyone. I don't want to feed the homeless. I do not want to take care of the downtrodden. I do not want to send money to other countries and missionaries and help plant churches and, and propagate the gospel. I don't care about all that. I just want to make sure I'm taken care of. It's a selfish, selfish prayer. God wants us to be blessed. And that does not mean you're going to be driving a Mercedes or have an airplane. That's not what I'm teaching here. See, it's not so much that what we're doing is wrong as much as it is what maybe we're not doing enough things right. Now, I know we can't earn God's favor and I know we can't earn God's blessings. Don't push me back on that. But there are principles in the word of God that God says, if we do these things, it opens up things in the kingdom that are reserved in favor. Now, most people believe that the first fruit is the tithe. A lot of people, and I, I'm beginning to believe almost everybody in the body of Christ. <laughs> I know it's not true, but if you, if you believe what you read online, it seems like no Christian anymore believes in, in tithing. As a principle, they just believe I was Old Testament, bless God. I'm in the New Testament. I don't need to be worried about no tithe. Don't you talk to me about no tithe. Tithing is another teaching tonight. But let me just tell you this first fruits is not tithe. So if you think the tithe is a first fruit, it's not biblically accurate. In fact, the Bible teaches us that first, fr- first fruits, tithes, and offerings are three distinct things with God. Three distinct things with God. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Well, okay, then let's see if you don't believe the word of God. Um. Let's see here. Is that on here? Is that, is that my scripture? Everything just got messed up. Sorry, 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 sorry. Stay with me, stay with me. Don't leave me yet. Don't leave me yet. All right, so... Uh, why is my Bible not coming up? Y'all, my app messed up. Where's that? Give me my Bible. All right, all right. Hang on, hang on. Stay right there where you at. Stay right there yet. Bring my Bible app back up. There we go. There we go. All right. So, uh, Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44. Stay with me. As, as I said, the tithe offering and first fruits have always been three separate things with God. Nehemiah chapter twelve verse forty four says, at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse, the rooms of the storehouse. For the offerings, comma, the first fruits comma, and the tithes comma. Now let's go back. I know this is Old Testament, but you got to understand something. This is teaching us the principle of, you know, God doesn't change. You know, you may have the belief that tithing is an Old Testament principle and it's not a New Testament principle, but if we're going to discuss tithe, is tithe the first fruit? If we're going to discuss offerings, is offering a first fruit? Then we need to look at the original time that these words were used. Let's read it again. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44. At the same time, some were appointed over the rooms, plural, rooms, meaning there was a room set aside. For the offerings, one room set up for the first fruits and one room set up for the tithe. To gather them in, in from the fields of the cities, the portions spe- specific, uh, specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Wow. So we're asking the question tonight. We're making the statement, we need to understand first fruits. And the question and the title of this show is, is tithes first fruits? Well, it is not first fruits. Tithe, the word tithe in itself means 10%. Like I said, this is not a teaching on tithes. Whether tithes are mandated in the New Testament or not, we're just defining terms. Tithe means 10%. By the way, for those of you that think that tithing really just means anything that's in a tithing envelope, you can't take 5% and stick it in a tithing envelope and stick it in a, in a bucket, and all of a sudden it magically becomes 10%. That, those, those envelopes in your church are not magical and supernatural, okay? Tithe means 10. It means 10%. You can't make it anything else. Okay, whether you tithe on the net, the gross, whatever, that's between you and God. I got my own beliefs on that, but tithe means tenth, okay? Now, what is an offering? These are the only times I'm going to teach about these. The rest of the teaching is going to be on First Fruits. What is an offering? An offering, in biblical terms, is a gift above the tithe. That's why it's called tithes and offerings, not just offerings. Offering is a gift above the tithe. Now, listen, if you're going by Old Testament uh, terms here, for those that don't believe it's in the New Testament, we're all still good, what I'm about to say, because this is Old Testament. T- the Bible says the tithe in the Old Testament, he says, it is holy unto God. It is mine. Malachi chapter 3 says, will a man rob God? How have we robbed you, Lord? For we? He says, you've robbed me in tithe and offerings. Okay. So bring your tithe. Okay, so the tithe is holy unto God. That's what God's Word said. The tithe is holy. So therefore, it's not yours to begin with. The offering is yours, and that is your gift to God. And quite frankly, if you are only giving offerings and you're not a tither, yes, God will bless you, and it's still a great thing that you're a giver, but technically your offering is not an actual offering because an offering is above the tithe. Now, so what is first fruits? Simply put, first fruits means the first whole, W H O L E, the first whole complete of something. Let's look at what the Word of God says in the book of Romans. This is in the New Testament. In the New Testament. The New Testament, Romans chapter 11, verse 16 says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Wow. Let's read it again. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Okay? Very, very important for you to get the premise of what is being said in the book of Romans there. Let's go back to the Old Testament, and let's look at the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 15, verse 17 says, And the Lord God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I bring you, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land, that you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering. As a heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you offer it up. Of the first of your ground meal, you shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generations. So we see a pattern of the Old and the New Testament teaching us a principle of there was a time in the Jewish faith where they understood that the first whole of something, the first of something was brought to God. Now, most people, as I've already said, understand that the that the tithe is holy. Now, if you are a tither, and that's between you and God, if whatever how you believe on it, I am a tither, unashamed to be a tither. I've been a tither from the very first day of my marriage. In 1989, the very first dollar that came in our house and every dollar that's ever came in our house since that moment has been tithed on. We are a believer in it. Not forcing it on you, that's our decision. But if you believe the tithe is holy, most people are living under the understanding that that 10% is holy. But the 90% that's left over after a tithe the Bible calls the unrighteous mammon. Jesus said, if you're not faithful in the unrighteous mammon, you know, how can you think that you'll ever be a part of the kingdom of God? The unrighteous money. Money in itself, when it is by itself, it's nothing but a tool uh, that can be used. The same $20 bill could be used to feed the homeless and fund a missionary but it can also be used to buy drugs. It can also be used uh, for horrible things. I mean, just you just figured out in your mind what it could be used for. But when you understand that the first is holy, and the lump is holy, the root is holy, the branches are holy. There's a principle that Paul was teaching in the New Testament that the that the Jewish people understood because he made a point to say the first fruits. The first fruits are holy, the lump is holy. Okay? Now, let's, let's just break this down go real deep here. Okay. Stay with me. Stay with me. Because you're gonna, it's gonna be a rough ride for the next few minutes here. But I'm gonna show you something that is absolutely powerful. So let's let's review very quickly. The tithe is 10%. Once again, it's not a teaching on tithe. If you don't believe in tithing, that's between you and God. I'm just telling you what tithe means. It means tenth. Offerings, biblically speaking, is your gift above the tithe. First fruits is the first something that you give. But frankly, if you want to go letter of the law, if you're a believer in letter of the law, you don't have to be. I mean, well, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. You do whatever you want to do. But if you believe thus saith the Lord, then, then you understand that 10% tithe uh the offering above that and the rest of that is basically yours to do whatever you want to do with okay if you if you're led to the law but now understanding that the tithe never was your was before is very important for you to understand this next scripture Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says this Honor the Lord with your possessions Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with wine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, here's what you got to understand your possessions is not what belongs to God. You can't honor, tithing is not honoring the Lord. Tithing is returning in obedience to God what has already been declared is his. So you're, at the very least, your offering above your tithe is yours. So therefore you have the right, those are your possessions to do what you want to do with it. And when you sow that to God, you are honoring God with your possessions. You understand what I'm saying? So your tithing is not honoring God with your possession because you don't possess it. In fact, if you keep it, you're still in it. it. Belongs to God if you're letter of the law tithe, Okay. There again, I know I might lose some subscribers tonight. I hope not, because I think you should you should have followed me long enough to know that I'm not a money hungry preacher. Okay, but I feel like that people need to be taught the Word of God. So, what should if you believe in first fruits? should we first fruits to the Lord, okay? Let me roll back and say this. Uh, Tithing, depending on what you believe about tithing, is either an Old Testament principle that has just sort of gelled into whatever the Lord blesses you with on the first of, of, you know, as Paul said, lay aside according to how the Lord has blessed you and now, tithing and offering and first fruits and all that is all just sort of gelled into just whatever you feel like giving to God. You may believe that. Then there are others on here that believe that you've been mandated by God to be obedient, to open up the windows of heaven. You don't believe that everything the Old Testament's done away with. Je- Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, but rather to fulfill the law. We go through him. There's grace, I understand that. There's not law, we don't live by the law. I mean, 100%. We're not under the law. We're under grace. We're under mercy. We have a better covenant based on better principles. Uh, but first fruits, I, I think we sort of have a mandate, if you're a child of God, to support the heart, to support the kingdom. Okay? That's my opinion. As a pastor, I teach that and I preach that, that we don't we don't pressure anybody. We don't put the pressure on people to tithe and give. They can come to our church for the rest of their life and never give a dime. Okay? That's the absolute truth. But when people ask me, I tell them, okay, but let me tell you how I live my life. I live my life saying I don't have an option to not tithe. It's a personal thing that I that I interpret scripture to tell me I'm a tither, I'm going to tithe. I have no option. In fact, I take it further and say, I have been given that same mandate from God to give an offerings. Now, offerings are different amounts. Tithe is 10%. But when it comes to first fruits, of the three things that were listed in the storehouse in Nehemiah first fruits was the really the only one to the Old Testament believer Now I'm still speaking Old Testament here that they gave they were basically it was not considered to be holy in the sense of a mandate and a requirement it was a personal decision. they made a decision to live, in a situation where everything that came through their house when it came to harvest was blessed. There was such an understanding of before I eat anything from this harvest, I've got to take the first and give it to God. And that's what Paul was meaning when he says, if the first is holy, the lump is holy. What that means is 10% was deemed in the old Testament to be holy, but the old Testament Believers understood the principle of first fruits that if they wanted that other 90% to be blessed as well and to be declared holy, the first made the lump holy, even though it was not a part of the tithe holy. Here's how I explain it. If If I had some cookie dough, I wish I'd have thought to bring it in here to make an example, but let's say I had... A big a big old ball of cookie dough in this hand. And in this hand, I had a different type of cookie dough. Uh, I'm just making this up as I go. Okay, this was chocolate chip, this was uh, sugar cookie, okay? Well, if I was to take a little bite of the of the chocolate chip, it would have a certain taste to it. Take a little bite of the sugar cookie, have a little taste to it. Now, the sugar cookie part in this hand is much smaller than the big lump. But if I took this and pressed it into the chocolate chip cookie dough, and the whole time we're talking here, I'm just sort of running that thing, I'm rolling that thing, I'm mashing that thing all over the place, and I'm just doing everything I can do to mix it up. Well, guess what? It's almost impossible for you, it is impossible for you to go back into that lump and pull out the sugar cookie dough. It's now all in it. So if the sugar cookie was holy and the the chocolate chip cookie was unrighteous mammon, what God is teaching, whether you believe this principle or not, I'm just helping you understand what first fruits means, is that when they took the first little bit and put it into the whole harvest, the whole harvest became holy. The whole harvest became holy. So the lump, if the first fruit is holy and it's put into the lump, the lump is holy. If the root of the tree is holy, then it's sending up holiness to the branches. So if you start out every year, if you start out every season right, I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect. I'm not saying everything's going to be hunky-dory. But God said there's a principle that if the first is holy, the lump is holy. So the whole principle of first fruits is it's harvest time. So therefore, I want to have the blessed, the most blessed harvest for my family as I can. So if my harvest is chickens, I'm going to give my first chicken, my first set of eggs to the house of God. I'm going to take it to the house of God. And I, before I ever eat an egg, I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure the house of God is taken care of. And God says when you do that, there's a supernatural principle that comes into play that those chickens and those eggs after that is holy come on, even though you didn't bring them to the temple, even though you kept them and you ate them yourself. So the first fruits means it's the first something. It's the first something. Now, back in bi- biblical times, it was it was fruits and vegetables, or it was oil, or it was a drink offering, or it was a lamb, or it was a bullock. Have you read the Bible? That's what it was. Well, That was all done away with through Jesus Christ, okay? There's nobody coming to the temple and and bringing blood sacrifices anymore. Jesus became the lamb that took away the sins of the world. That's what he meant by it is finished, okay? Jesus did not destroy the law. He fulfilled the law. He did not do away with the need for there to be a priest. Some people think he did. No, he became the priest. He is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He didn't do away with the need for the blood of a lamb. He became the blood of the lamb. His blood became the blood of the lamb. He became the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There's so many things in Scripture that we think was did away with. Jesus just fulfilled it and became it. But the principles that he put in place that go back to the garden, he said, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. In other words, there's a principle. Even in the New Testament, Paul talks about in Galatians, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Scripture tells us, Jesus said, for what measure you forgive or you meet, it shall be meted unto you. Draw not to me, I'll draw not to you. It's a process of exchange. We work so hard. So many people have deconstructed their faith and so many people are, are just, you know, they're just so militantly against any kind of teaching on giving because it's been abused. I'm first admit it. Preachers have abused this. It is preachers are the problem here. I get it. But you don't throw out the principles that God repeated in Scripture. You say, well, it didn't repeat the word tithe. Yeah, it actually did. Uh, not the way that some preachers might think that he that he did. But the Bible says that he he didn't condemn the priest that bragged about all that they tithed on. He wasn't condemning the tithe. He was condemning the fact they were bragging about their tithe. In fact, if you wouldn't really get right down to it. He was bragging on a woman that gave everything she had. Yeah, we, 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 we zoom in on the fact that it was just a couple of pennies versus the big money preacher who had all the money. But we forget the fact that he's bragging about 10%. She's bragging about everything. She gave everything she had. When the church began as an early church, they sold all of their possessions and gave it all for the sake of the cause. You know, I want to be like the New Testament, early New Testament. All right, sell your house, sell your car, and just distribute it to your neighbors. Show up at church and just start handing out money. That's what they did, it's in your Bible. So you know what we do at our church? We do something that is um, it's unique, and we've been doing it in our church for years, and we don't force anybody to do it. We take the month of January because here's the reality. Back then it was your first fruits was wheat. It was all these different things. Well, nowadays we don't, we don't buy and sell with wheat. We don't buy and sell with chickens. Now there might be some people watching right now that still does that around the world. I'm sure that there are people watching us right now that do steal, barter, things like that. But for the most part, the world is op- operates off of currency, off of money. Money is now the currency, cash, coins, digital, CBDCs, and all the stuff that's coming. That's the currency of the world now. So, and we don't necessarily, the majority of people, the super majority of people, almost all people are not working in the fields. So it's not like there's a harvest time, and then all of a sudden everybody's out in the fields, you know, Plucking, picking the corn and all this kind of stuff, picking the green beans and and it, like it was when a lot of y'all was growing up, your grandma was growing up, your grandpa was growing up, so there's not really harvest seasons, so therefore we we start thinking about okay, well, what if we were going to do a first fruit? When would it be? There again, I'm saying it's completely optional. If we're going to do a first fruit in our life, whether it's going to be in a church or online ministry. Um, in your community, something that you feel like you want to give, something significant that you want to give, to a ministry, to a homeless shelter, to whatever it is you want to give, it's it's that right that part right there. You the bottom line is you're giving to be a blessing. Here's the reality. When's the first best time to do it? When is the time of the year that everybody feels like it's new? Of course, it's January. So January is when when the When the clock turns over at midnight, everybody's talking about New Year's resolutions, making a new year. It just sort of, it's it's really nothing supernatural about it. There's nothing, it's it's just another day. But in our mind, we feel like it's something new. Going to lose weight starting on January 1. We're going to start jogging, exercising January 1. You know, all these kind of things. So what we do in our church is we take the first month of every year and we say, if you want a first fruit, bring the first something. The first something, your first sale, your first uh, commission, whatever it is, it's, it's up to you, and you bring it. But when you bring it, bring it with expectations that if the first is holy, the lump is holy. So we tell people, write down on a piece of paper the big things that you're believing God for to happen in that year. One or two really big things. Write it down. Bring it with that first fruit, and you're not buying anything, you're not purchasing anything. You're, you don't have a better shot at getting your prayer answered because you brought but but bring that first fruits along with an expectation. And I'm telling you, I can't explain it, but I'm se- we have seen miracles. We have seen debts paid up, mortgages paid off. We've seen promotions come out of nowhere. We've seen people healed, delivered. I'm not saying any of that was bought. I'm just saying that God honors, honors obedience, okay? So so usually about this time of the year, I take one night or one day at our, at our one, one Sunday morning and I teach on this principle because I want new people, new believers to understand the principle and to make their own decision. And I just got to thinking about it. Um, this, this is an online church. Some of you call me your pastor. Many of you call this your online church, whether you're watching it live, around the world, or on, on replay. And I think if it is your church, and I am your pastor, then I think you want your pastor to tell you what the Word of God says about just about any subject. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm telling you that God, you can't buy anything from God. Okay, you can't purchase a miracle. You can't purchase a new house. You can't purchase a better marriage. You can't purchase your deliverance. That is not what's being taught here. And if you twist that and blow me up and unsubscribe simply because I talked about money on a Bible study, not on not on uh, Monday Night Live, not on Kingdom Intelligence Report, but on the night it's called Bible study, and you push back because I tried to present a balanced Non-judgmental, non-prosperity gospel understanding of first fruits, and the reason we do it at this time is because you know, start next week on Wednesday night Bible study. I'm gonna be talking about things about Christmas, about the nativity scene. I'm gonna be preaching on this, but maybe some of you tonight are thinking, I need to study this a little bit more. I need to make my own decision, and I think I want might want to start 24, which if you watch the big picture, I've told you 24 is going to be one of the most chaotic years of our lives. Even more chaotic, I believe, and I may be wrong, and I hope I am wrong, but I believe it's going to be more chaotic than even the whang wang time that we just went through because it's going to be a lot bigger things than just shutdowns. So if there's ever any time that for me, my decision, and I'm not putting that mandate on you, but for me as the, as the man of my house, that I want the lump to be holy, and the branches to be holy, and my house, everything that comes through my house to be blessed and holy, then I promise you, I'm going to make sure that the first is holy. So I'm always going to bring the first something, and I'm always going to believe God for something big and something major to happen. And 2024 is no exception. So therefore, if this doesn't prove (laughs) that we ain't scared to preach on anything and touch on anything, then... uh, so be it. Uh, there it is. So what do you think about it? Comment. You ain't got to agree. Let me know what you think. I'm sure you will I'm going back to read the live chat and gonna we'll re- go back and read the, the, uh, comment section. Uh, if you haven't already hit that subscribe button, I got so fired up it didn't even hard to talk about it tonight. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now. Hit that like button. If You're watching on rumble, watching on Facebook. Remember, make sure you subscribe at YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. Uh, most things are some of our live most of our live shows are on rumble on facebook this is it this is it other than some breaking news things that I'll do on face on facebook this is it so if you want in-depth teaching and you want your eyes to be opened to what is really going on in the world make sure you go to youtube and hit our subscribe channel let me tell you something real quick before I go please don't leave yet please don't leave yet because this is important some of you are going to know what channel this is that I'm talking about I'm not going to I'm not going to name the channel But a channel that is very prominent in the world in which Sandy and I live, we watch and we study and we follow people that gives us information, very, very, very well known. Woke up this week, no strikes whatsoever, no warnings. His YouTube channel was gone. They removed it. Now, he was covering some things in Maui. He was covering some things that I won't even mention now, and we still don't know why he was gone. But he was deplatformed and he was gone. He lost every one of his videos. This guy's been, this guy's puts a video out within hours, it's tens of thousands of views. Okay. Millions of people watching. His channel was gone. And when I heard that, and he said there was no strikes, there was no warnings, they just deplatformed him. And I might be getting in trouble right now, talking about it right now. But I don't know what the future holds. So if you don't follow some rumble, Tonight might be a good night to do it. Rumble.com slash Larry Go there tonight. Hit that follow button. Because maybe one day, that's all we're going to have. And maybe even then, that's going to be hit. I don't know. But as long as I got an opportunity to get on here and teach, as long as I got an opportunity to get on here and show you what the world is going through and what is coming, that's what I'm going to do. Thank you all for joining us tonight on the Bible study. Share this. Share this. Go back and watch it again. Read the Word of God for yourself. Make your own decision. And know that nobody on this channel is forcing you to do anything. But we want to make sure you know what the Word of God says. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for the Bible study. We want to remind you, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And we are awake to what the Word of God says. God bless